If you're a fan of this podcast and want to see it continue, help support us on Patreon, where you can unlock tons of exclusive content, including, but not limited to, movie commentaries, ad-free versions of our promo specials, extended cuts, early access to new episodes, behind-the-scenes clips, first access to merchandise, blooper reels, and even a chance to vote on what we cover next on our podcaster's disassembled episodes. Just head right on over to patreon.com slash podcastersassemble. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash podcastersassemble. Link in the show notes. Podcasters Assemble! This is Katie from Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. Hey, it's Tyler from Too Young for This Hit. This is Gabe from Every Marvel Movie Ever. This is Troidal Power from the Power Playthroughs Podcast. Hey everyone, this is Becky, Troy's wife. This is Rich from the RPG Golden Years Podcast. This is Kate from the Nerd of Paradise Podcast. Hi, this is Arjuna Gonzalez from Fonts from the Level Editor. Hi everyone, it's Rob here, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. This is Rob Lennon from the Ta Viren, a Wheel of Time podcast. And this is... Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame. Endgame. Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame. Endgame. I don't feel ready to talk about this film. It's been about a week since I saw it, and I only saw it once. So all of my thoughts are all still mixed up in the event and the hype and and everything else that went on there. I think the best thing that we can say, and really the most important thing, is holy cow, they did it. Right? They pulled it off. They were able to somehow make a film universe that encompassed, is it 23 total films? And every single one of them paid off in this movie. They found a way to make Thor the Dark World matter. And I wonder if that was almost intentional because of the hate that Thor the Dark World tends to get. Just to give you guys a background, I never grew up with comic books. Everything that I know from the MCU is from the MCU. Everything I learned on the fly from watching these movies pretty much. And being able to see this movie with my son, a packed theater of just happy, happy fans, was incredible. This may be the most fun I remember at the theater, and I'm going to go all the way back 
to Return of the Jedi. Where the crowd was cheering and hollering, hooting and hollering and every little thing. Holy smokes, was this movie a long time coming. My family has kind of started a, a tradition. My dad and I were seeing all the Avengers movies together for a while. Uh, and then my wife joined us, and now my mom goes to see him with us too. So I actually didn't get to see this opening weekend. I, I saw it a, a little over a week after it came out because we wanted to see it with them. And that's when we could make it work. Um, and I managed to not get spoiled. And I'm so grateful to the people who I did talk to online for helping me avoid spoilers because there's a lot to be spoiled in this one. So it's been a few days since I've seen the movie and I thought I needed to take a couple days to kind of process through everything. Um, to be honest, this movie, I literally, I don't think I've ever cried in theater as much as I cried during this movie. Um, mostly, I think personally, because I absolutely, absolutely hate endings. I hate goodbyes, I hate endings. And knowing that this was sort of an ending, um, I think made it worse for me, but also I'm pregnant, so I'm super hormonal. That might have something to do with it. <laughs> So how do we discuss this film? We don't. We hug it out and we cry. <laughs> that's that's what we do. We hug it out and we cry. I there's, you know, I've heard other podcasts and and there's people that are talking about what comes next, but it's really you feel that their heart isn't actually in it. They're not actually curious what comes next. Like they want to know, I guess. So they're they're curious, but their their heart's not in it yet. Because they're still dealing with this movie. They're still dealing with the emotions that are wrapped up in this movie. And of course, there's people that are casual fans of these films or just wanted to go see it because it was a big deal. And for them, it might have been an overly long, confusing superhero action movie where they didn't understand why people were clapping so much or, you know, those audible gasps from the audience as they're all trying to choke back tears because somebody says they want a, a cheeseburger, you know? Uh, because somebody makes a veiled reference to something from a past film because two characters are dancing together and they're like, oh, that's nice, but why are you, why are you sobbing into your popcorn? <laughs> and it's just the emotional weight of everything that came back from this film. One of the few things that I did know going into this movie was spoiled for me thanks to a Walmart toy display where I was walking by, I just glanced over, I didn't even realize it was Endgame when I glanced over, and I saw an action figure of Ronin, and it was it was Hawkeye in his Ronin costume. And I haven't read a whole lot of comics where, uh, where Clint becomes Ronin, but I knew enough to know that that meant that things had gone really wrong. And so immediately I was like, oh, Hawkeye is Ronin? then Hawkeye's whole family is gone. And I expected that to come up in the course of the movie. I didn't expect it to be the opening scene. It, like, starts off with him teaching his daughter to shoot a bow and arrow, and immediately I just, like, sunk down in my seat, like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Seeing his family get dusted set a tone immediately. It, it reminded us that, like, 
Yeah, you're here to you're here to see a Marvel movie, but don't forget where the last Marvel movie left off. Well, the last chronologically, because there's been two more since then. It it reminded us that we were in a dark place and that this movie was gonna be sad before it got better. My favorite hero moment? I mean, this movie is almost entirely hero moments. If Infinity War was all action scenes, this was all hero moments. Captain Marvel coming in at the last minute, saving Iron Man and Nebula and bringing the space station back to Avengers HQ, that was the first moment to really stand out in my mind as a possible favorite hero moment. I guess I would honestly say Iron Man arriving back on Earth and just giving a whole heaping pile of shit to Captain America. Because I liked the, no we're not friends just cause, I'm still angry at you, I called you, after all of our difficulties, you said you'd be there and you weren't. Liar. And I lost the kid. You know, the first thing he says, I lost the kid. And then he gets pissed off. And I loved that moment because it made sense and it showed that our characters are flawed. And, you know, Captain America's immutable sense of hope that Tony Stark did not share. And seeing that they still had that sort of clash. Um, so, <laughs> so at one point, um, they were... They were going to, um, I think they were going to get Thanos. And Cap goes, let's go get this son of a bitch. Um, or let's go kill the son of a bitch. I'm not sure which he actually said um, in the moment. But um, my response when he said that was, watch your language. <laughs> because it was Cap that said, watch your language. And it, it's just funny to hear him say son of a bitch. The uh, Avengers find a uh, a beacon, they, uh, an energy signature on a planet way out in space that matches the energy signature of the snap. And so they know it's it's that, hey, look, he's used the stones. This is 23 days post-snappening, uh, post and they, uh, I guess maybe a little further than that, Tony comes back after 23 days. But they set off pretty quickly to go get Thanos. Um, and it's a great scene. It's a fun little adventure. There's a great line where they go, who's never been to space? And a couple people have to raise their hands. I think Rhodey, uh, Rhodey and Nat, maybe. My favorite villain moment is at the very start when Thanos reveals he destroyed the stones. The fact that the most bloodthirsty being in the entire universe had to destroy his sources of unlimited power so his plan could never be reversed that's incredibly evil. Thanos is a man who knows how to cover his tracks. How did he know that they were going to be able to time travel? I don't know if I'm going to say favorite villain moment where they had the aha moment, but I really didn't like when Thanos got his ass kicked in the very first, like, 15 minutes. Okay. You know, gets his hand chopped off. And he gets his head chopped off. That was actually a pretty good epic moment. I was looking at that. As it happened, I'm like, okay, so what is going to happen next? If they're just going to do that, is just credits going to roll for the next, like, three hours? Which would be a giant, crazy thing. 
I myself yelled, yelled, Oh, shit! When Thor lopped off Thanos' head. So when Thor chops off Thanos' head at nearly the start of the movie, I did not see that coming. That was so surprising. I, I, that really set the tone for this movie to just completely sidestep my expectations. I had no clue where I was going. One of the funny parts that I really liked in the movie, um, and it's kind of sadistically funny. Um, so Rocket, the, they they go and find they they go and find Thanos, and um, they're all standing around him, and they've all got him tied up, and um, Rocket says, "What did you do?" And Thor goes, "I went for the head." Thor cut off. Thanos's head with his new axe because he doesn't have Mjolnir um and I I laughed out loud to that because I I thought it was great um the team gets to Thanos's planet and they launch a surprise attack on him they get him all restrained Thor comes in and chops his arm off and they ask where the stones are because the gauntlet's empty, and he explains that he's destroyed the stones. You can't use the stones because I destroyed them, because if I left them here, then you'd be able to use them to undo my good work. So they're gone now. And in response, Thor just chops his head off, which is satisfying, but it doesn't change anything. It doesn't fix it. And then we get this title card that says five. It just says five for a while. It says five years later. There's also some weird plot thread stuff going on here, right? Because we had Hulk and he gives in and becomes smart Hulk. But like we've talked about previously... The Avengers films are the big event comics, and we miss everything in between. So we're missing all of these other sort of side stories, and the whole idea of the Hulk doesn't want to come out gets completely dismissed. And now you don't really realize it until it's a week later and you're thinking about the movie, and you're like, yeah, well, Banner's there, and he's the Hulk, and he's like, that was the solution, is we just had to work together. And like, that that feels weird, right? Like, that feels like that's an Iron Man 3 resolution where he finally has the arc reactor removed from his chest, where you're like, I feel like that should have been, like, three Hulk movies before you got to that point, and the third Hulk movie should have dealt with, you know, same as Tony Stark after the, the Battle of New York. The idea of the Hulk should have had this issue where for... Because we still don't know what the Hulk's reason for not coming out was. Was it because he was scared of Thanos? Was it? Because we don't know, we, and we never really got to see that rematch either. The team meets up with uh, Banner because Tony says he can't help them with time travel. He won't help them with time travel. And they, they need a really big brain. So they go and meet up with, uh, with Bruce Banner, Hulk, who's now permanently in Hulk form, but still smart, still able to talk, still, still Bruce Banner, just, just big. And I, I don't mind this change for the character. I, I think I think Smart Hulk is kind of cool. I'm very okay with it from just like a, a where we go next perspective. But I'm kind of disappointed that we find out that this happened through like, we, we just are told. He's like, oh yeah, we, you know, we worked it out. We worked for it for 18 months or whatever it was. And hey, now we're, now we're Smart Hulk. I kind of hope that we get like a, um, 
one of the shorts like we used to get on the dvds i kind of hope when endgame comes out that we we get a we get a little 15 minute movie of a banner and hulk working stuff out because that was left very unresolved at the end of infinity war and then in this one it's just like oh no we're fine i would like to see that i think that'd be nice Seeing the weird Hulk banner character for the first time, um, I don't know if this was ever done in the comics, but when I saw that, I thought, this is what Shrek was building up to this whole time. That was my first reaction. My second reaction was what Valkyrie said later in the movie, that, uh, Hulk was better either as Hulk or as Banner. Uh, and third... The Sonic the Hedgehog movie is going to be the Citizen Kane of our generation. Maybe it was because I really had to pee. I don't know. So the team gets Hulk on board to help with time travel, and Tony has figured it out. Hulk has gotten pretty close. He's actually, I guess he has... They are they are doing time travel of a sort, but what happens is they send Ant-Man back in time, and when they bring him back, he's, I think, younger the first time, and then they do it again, and he's older, and then they do it again, he's a little baby, and then they do it again, and he comes back as, as the Scott we know and love. And uh, he has, at that point, one of my favorite, like, silly lines in this movie. This movie has a lot of good comedy in it, but one of my favorite silly lines is he goes, Somebody pooped my pants. Wait, is it pooped or peed? Peed. I can't read my own notes. I took notes in the theater. It was very dark. Somebody peed my pants. But I don't know if it was baby me? Or old me? Or just me me? Um, Stark's daughter was so adorable. Um, um, at, at one point she said, shit, she copied Stark <laughs> and it was really cute. Um, I thought it was really cute to see him with a family and, you know, doing the dad thing. When Tony does show up to help the team with, with the time travel predicament, he goes to the back of his car and pulls out a bunch of junk. And underneath all that junk... Oh man, I'm starting to tear up. Underneath all that junk is Cap's shield. And Tony brought it back for him. I didn't even take any notes about what he said. I have no memory of what the dialogue was there. But what I remember is that he holds out Cap's shield. And we hear the music. And... Oh boy. They're, they're finally getting back together. They're finally sorting things out. They're gonna be okay. I would add that the time travel logic in this movie is some of the most convoluted of any action movie I've seen. Like, and, you know, there were even lines of dialogue where people were talking about how, uh, so you're telling me it doesn't work like Back to the Future or, what, Terminator, Terminator 2? Yeah, it, 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 as they were explaining how it was supposed to work as the movie went on, it made no sense. But when I got home and I started, like, replaying it back in my head, okay, 
this makes sense, and they go back there, and then take the Infinity Stones, and then take them back, and okay, okay, this all makes sense, good. That doesn't mean it wasn't, like, Doctor Who episode levels of weird. Are you telling me Back to the Future's bullshit? That was actually a pretty funny line. I really enjoyed that. That was just a nice little touch of Back to the Future. Uh, trying to explain how time travel actually works. And yes, Back to the Future is bullshit. Up to this point, I had liked the movie a lot. We got a lot of reintroductions to characters. We got a lot of darkness, a lot of world building. Um, it was good. It had funny moments. And then, and then they started planning the time heist. And I got so excited because it's a heist. There's a heist movie in the middle of this movie. And we've talked about it before, but they're planning the heist before the heist happens. And that is visual storytelling for the heist is going to go wrong. Because if it was going to go right, you plan the heist in a voiceover. But no, things are going to go astray. And they do so quickly. And it's fantastic. So, uh, going to New York, you've got Cap. Let's see. Cap, Tony, Ant-Man, and Hulk. Then going to Asgard during the events of Thor 2, you have Thor and Rocket Raccoon. Going to 2014, uh, you have, let's see, Rhodey and Nebula go to Morag to stop Peter from getting the Power Stone. And Clint and Black Widow go to get the Soul Stone. One of the first gags we get with the time travel is the New York team lands and uh, Hulk, the Hulk from 2012, goes smashing by and destroys just a bunch of stuff relentlessly. And so the team tells our hulk modern hulk that he might have to you know smash some stuff to blend in and we get we get smart hulk just doing the dumbest impression of dumb hulk where it's just like err smash boom it's so silly but it's great it's fantastic favorite line so this is another one where there's so many good lines in this um i really like the scene where uh, <laughs> Captain America is commenting on his own ass. Yeah. He's just like, that is America's ass. That's a good line. <laughs> it's stupid. Um, My favorite line of dialogue is probably the one where uh, Iron Man, Captain America, and Ant-Man have gone back to New York in 2012. And Iron Man is watching the action at what is the end of the first Avengers movie. And, like, he says, Rogers, that suit did not do anything for your ass. And, like, Captain America chides him for that. And then Ant-Man says, don't worry, Captain. As far as I'm concerned, that's America's ass. Oh my gosh, the fake out. 
of the elevator fight in New York in 2012 was so fantastic. We have the strike team come in and immediately you recognize Rumlov and you're like, holy smokes, this is Hydra and Sitwell's there and they're the ones who are going to take the Tesseract away. Oh no. And Cap goes with him and he gets an elevator and it's a shot for shot remake of the build up to the elevator fight scene in Winter Soldier. And while this is going on, Tony has jumped out of a window from the top of the Avengers mansion and his suit goes on as he's falling, which is like exactly the same shot as when he puts on the, I think it's the Mark seven in Avengers where he's got the little bracelet and the suit flies out to him. This movie does so many of these little, uh, little nods towards the past movies i mean there's big nods like hey we've gone back to 2012 but then there's these little shot for shot nods where it's like you just i see what you did there i see what you did there movie you just remade a shot that happened in a different movie cool my favorite action scene isn't even an action scene at all it's the teasing of the russo brothers by thinking that we were going to get another cap in an elevator fight all the time it was being set up, is being set up, he's in the elevator, members of Hydra are coming in, and I'm sitting in the theaters geeking out, saying out loud, Captain in the elevator, Captain in the elevator, we're going to have another Captain in the elevator fight. And he just, Hail Hydra. That's all the action he needed. My favorite line of dialogue for this movie is probably... So when they start doing like the time traveling, right? And Cap, uh, Iron Man, Ant-Man and Hulk all go to 2012 to the the setting of where the Avengers takes place, right? And (laughs) Tony is with Ant-Man up in the penthouse and he's staring at Captain America and he starts commenting on his costume and he says something along the lines of like ah Cap that costume does nothing for your ass and he goes it doesn't flatter you at all and then you just he just hear Ant-Man goes he goes what are you talking about he goes he looks amazing he goes as far as I'm concerned that's America's ass (laughs) Which was so funny and amazing. And later on, we get this like scene where, um, where Cap has basically convinced the Shield agents. So this is before the the Cap of 2012 knew that Shield was overtaken by Hydra. So current day cap that's from the future gets into this elevator with all these shield agents and convinces them to give him the scepter which has the mind stone in it and he he was saying that like oh the director called me he wants me to take this and he's trying to convince them and he leans down and says it's okay you'll understand and he goes hail hydra and the look at, that they give him is amazing. And he just takes the scepter and walks away. And he ends up running into the worst person possible, which is himself. Because we know Cap. And he, all you hear is Cap, like, uh, future Cap goes, you gotta be shitting me. <laughs> and you just see, like, it zooms in on 2012 Cap and he goes... I have spotted Loki and future caps like, no dude, like I'm not Loki and they start fighting and he knocks him down and he gets back up. This is the 2012 cap. And he goes, 
I can do this all day. And you just hear future Cap go, yeah, yeah, I know. The battle between 2012 and 2023 Steve Rogers. From Steve thinking it's Loki on the loose again, to the shields batting each other out of the air, and right down to the marvelous doubling effects they use for Chris Evans, this fight is hilarious, while still being tense. Stories where a hero fights a mirror version of themselves is always a blast, as you spend the whole time wondering if the win will go to the one with all the new tricks, or if the old methods will truly prevail and win the night. 2012 Steve, I can do this all day, followed immediately by 2023 Steve shrugging it off as overplayed, is a hilarious callback. In the end of the sequence, where future Steve utilizes knowledge that past Steve doesn't have, that being the revelation that Bucky is still out there somewhere, is such a smart tactic, and Steve's second callback that is simultaneously a call forward, his first being the infamous Hail Hydra in the elevator. And so they end up, like, fighting each other, and 2012 Cap gets the upper hand on future Cap, and he, uh, the future future cap says Bucky is alive and he lets him go. So then he ends up knocking him out and or hitting him in the face so he can get him away, get away from him. And he grabs the scepter and knocks 2012 cap out and he flips him over and, and he looks right at his butt and he goes, Oh, you're right. That is America's ass. So good. So funny. I love that captain America is, cussing so much more in this movie it's really really great um i have a comment in here about um ant-man saying that's america's ass um <laughs> and later cap cap sees himself and goes that is america's ass the time travel mechanics in this movie don't totally make sense to me because you can't change the past so things that happen in things that you do through time travel don't affect the future so i don't know if that means it's branching timelines i think that the long conversation they have about uh about time travel mechanics in movies is basically a way for the movie to be like hey don't worry about time travel mechanics in movies but i really want to know how they work specifically for one reason which is that loki escaped when they were in 2012 loki managed to get away and does that mean that in the present, did, did that like create a split where there's two Lokis and we get to see that Loki? Please bring Loki back, Marvel. I, I would like him to come back very much, please. I think favorite villain moment would it probably still be Loki, right? Like as weird as that is, and as much as I appreciated that he it didn't seem like he ever attempted to steal the scenes that he was in. It never seemed like Tom Hiddleston was trying to grandstand as Loki, but he does anyway because people are so tied to that character. But I think it's him with the mouth guard on just watching everything happening and then slowly getting his hands on the Tesseract and disappearing, which maybe opens up a possibility, maybe doesn't if Cap goes back and puts the Tesseract back. It's a whole very confusing thing like any time travel film. Eventually, the New York part of the heist realizes that they've bungled it. They have uh, lost the Tesseract, and they need to go get it back. And uh, they also need more Pym particles. But in the 1970s, Hank Pym was working for S.H.I.E.L.D. at the New Jersey base where Cap was created. So Tony and Cap travel back to 1970s. And um, 
and I can't talk about this scene because it makes me cry too much. Okay. Um, There's lots of fun goofiness in their heist here, but this scene has two just massive emotional moments. Um, Tony gets to have a long conversation with his dad about fatherhood and, and Steve gets to see, um, Steve gets to see Peggy. He doesn't talk to her. She doesn't see him, but he gets to see her. And uh, I think he knew then what he was going to do at the end of the movie. So Stanley's moment in this movie, um, Stanley was driving a convertible in the 1970s past a military base. Um, and he yells out, um, at a military guy standing at the gate, says, "Hey, man, make love, not war." Um, I, I really, I really wish they would have done more with Stanley in this movie. And I, I mean, I get that he's gone, but um, you know, in a, I, I feel like the the whole little thing they did in Captain Marvel of the um, just all the clips of of Stan and like the the whole intro I expected them to do something at the beginning or the end of this movie to kind of you know say thanks Stanley um and they didn't so I was a little disappointed with that but overall um I really enjoyed doing my Stanley moments and sad (laughs) um sad to know that's the last one honestly I wasn't ready for the emotional reaction that I had to when Cap sees Peggy again for the first time at the at like at an age where he remembers her when they when him and Tony go to the base and he uh, is hiding in her office without really realizing it and sees that picture of himself on the desk and looks over and sees the name on the door, which is Margaret Carter. And he sees her walk in that right there was just like, Oh my God, my heart hurt because there was no way he could stay. And I wanted him so bad to open that door and be like, Peggy, it's me. I'm here. And yet he didn't, he just stood there and watched her and watched her walk away and kind of let her go for the second time yeah they're they're going back to get the stones and cap is back in the 1970s and he's at the the base and um sees peggy um through through a window he realizes he goes and he hides and he goes into an office and then he realizes he's in peggy's office because he sees his picture on the desk and then looks through the window and sees Peggy. She doesn't notice him, but he sees her. And I thought that was really cute that, you know, he got to see her again. And then he goes outside with his dad, which was really cute. <laughs> um, so he gets to hang out with his dad. And then um, his dad's getting ready to leave to go see his mom. And... Uh, Jarvis was there. Jarvis opened the door, and I have in my notes, I have Peggy with an exclamation point, and then Jarvis with an exclamation point. Um, And it was the Jarvis from the Peggy TV series, which was really awesome. 
because I really like that series and I wish they would have continued it because I love Peggy. Um, sorry, I'm trying not to cry. <laughs> When uh, Nebula and Rhodey are discussing the plan, um, the Nebula of 2014 suddenly connects to our Nebula's Wi-Fi network or something and uh, reveals to Thanos that the team is there. And when I was watching the movie, I thought she did it on purpose. I was like, oh, Nebula, you've betrayed us, but you had so much growth. But don't worry. It's okay. She didn't do it on purpose. It was all accidental, but it puts the whole rest of the movie into motion. Thanos, so with Thanos, he is a lot more intelligent than people really give him credit for, as it seems like. He has this absurd obsession with thinking that what he's doing by getting rid of half of the planet is doing the right thing, that he's just insane. His <laughs> single-mindedness towards that end goal is just ridiculous and he can't see any other side than what he's going for but the thing was is that he also is very smart in a, in certain ways and that he notices immediately that there's something not right going on with nebula and decides to i mean he does torture his own daughter i mean she's not his real daughter but like he considers her his family and he you know, hooks her up to that machine and decides to comb through her memories, realizing that there's a second nebula, that because there's a second nebula attached to her network, that he can see everything. And that he basically realizes that he doesn't have to work as hard, that all the stones are going to come to him, and that he has this massive army that he can use to step forward into, like, our time and manipulating nebula into making sure that she helps him because she is afraid of him even though gamora and like present day i say present day nebula like what nebula becomes tries to convince her otherwise and yet she's so single-minded that she will do whatever thanos wants because thanos has convinced her that the only way the right way is how he thinks and it takes a long time, you know, for Nebula to have that character growth and move on outside of believing that what Thanos is doing is the right thing. My favorite hero moment was Natasha Romanoff's sacrifice. The relationship between her and Clint Barton throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe has always been one of the strongest connections to me. It's been so refreshing to see a man and a woman be friends and practically family without there ever being a real romantic angle forced onto them. In Age of Ultron, it's shown that the Barton family loves and includes Natasha like one of their own, so in a moment where one of them has to die for the sake of the restoration of the universe, all of the emotions and motivation behind that moment are so heartbreaking. Nat wants to sacrifice herself so Clint, who she loves like a brother, can live and the family that made her feel like their own will be restored, along with the rest of the universe. That true hero sacrifice is my favorite moment. In Infinity War, the explanation for the Soul Stone is you have to sacrifice that which you love most um, in order for you to obtain the stone. That was problematic because Thanos 
doesn't love Gamora, who he sacrificed. Um, I feel like in this movie, they didn't explicitly restate it to someone has to die in order for the stone to happen, but that seems to be what it actually is. Uh, you know, Clint and and Black Widow love each other just fine, but if it was actually just that it had, you had to, you know, what you love most had to be sacrificed, Clint would have the stone. Um, he's lost, he's lost his whole family. So um, if that's what it was, there would be no sacrifice necessary. Um, but instead we get uh, this nice moment where Clint and Black Widow are fighting each other. Uh, we get we get a call back to the, the spy fight from the first Avengers movie where they're fighting each other over who gets to sacrifice themselves um, for the stone. And, and it's it's a sad end. It's not an end that makes me happy for, for Black Widow's character, but it's a worthy end, I think. Um, because... Clint is like her best friend and she sacrificed herself so that he could be with his family. I think he should have done it. He's gone super dark. Uh, he's done so many bad things recently. Clint, you, you probably should have done it, but I'm, I'm okay with, with how Nat's story um, ends here. I'm not okay with the fact that they seem to move on from this way too quickly when they get back. Uh, I, I wish that the funeral at the end of the movie had been for both Tony and Nat. Uh, spoilers, if you haven't seen the movie and you're listening to this podcast for some reason, oops. Yeah, t- Tony, Tony's, Tony's, there's going to be a funeral. That was unexpected. I did not see that coming at all. And I, it hurt a lot. Like I knew that sending Clint and Natasha together to Vormir was not going to end well because obviously at that point we already knew that the only way to get the stone was to a soul for a soul. So somebody had to sacrifice themselves and it's exactly what I would have pictured between the two of them because obviously Clint is blaming himself for going rogue and killing all those people And he doesn't think there's anything left to live for. So he's the best person to sacrifice himself to get the stone. But for Natasha, she's thinking about the future. She's thinking about that they're going to get all the stones together and he's going to get his family back and they're going to need him. And that's what she's thinking about. So obviously the two of them are, they care a lot about each other and there's no way one or the other is going to so easily let the other person sacrifice themselves and I really that was actually one of my favorite one of my more favorite action scenes was watching the two of them kind of duke it out to be the person to sacrifice themselves because it's exactly what we would have expected between the two of them and when they went off the cliff and she attached that uh that line to his belt and was just dangling there and he wanted her so badly to let him do it, let him be the one. And there was no way. She just looked at him and said, let me go. And she sadly and unfortunately fell to her death. And because she sacrificed herself to gain a stone, I don't know if she'll come back. I don't know if we'll ever see her in the future movies which 
is very upsetting because I think that Black Widow was an incredible character and Scarlett Johansson did an incredible job playing her and she honestly deserved so much more. And I love that the final scene was between her and Clint because those two have been together for so long. They fought so hard side by side, even though we'll never know what happened in Budapest. But it was incredible to see that those two were the ones that would duke it out to the end to get that soul stone. And I kind of wish that she didn't die, but unfortunately that is just how things fell. And yeah, that's it. I like that we got the resolutions from the characters that we did. I thought they were fine. I think it should have been Hawkeye, not Black Widow. I think it would have made more sense for Hawkeye to go away. I think Black Widow made up for her past crimes, the red in her ledger, by being an Avenger. And I think Hawkeye could have used this opportunity to redeem himself for basically turning into the Punisher for a while. So my favorite hero moment is a scene that a lot of people didn't like. Um, it's the fight with Hawkeye and Black Widow to see who gets to die for the Soul Stone. And I'm not that invested in Hawkeye's character, but I am really invested in their relationship. So I kind of saw this coming from far away when they sent those two to go get the Soul Stone. You know, like one of them has to be sacrificed. And, you know, I'm hoping that they're going to, like, come up with another solution, but I kind of like the fact that there wasn't another solution. And the fight between them was really exciting because they flipped back and forth, like, who's going to be the one? And, yeah, it was very heartfelt. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about it is not really, it's not really a problem with that scene. It's how they don't give uh, Black Widow the same kind of celebration they give Tony Stark at the end of the movie. I feel like they should have just tied both of theirs together. I get like they don't have time to mourn her that much before the final fight, but that would have been a perfect way to send her out. She's been there. She's been a part of the Avengers for almost as long as Tony Stark. So, yeah. All right, my favorite action scene, it's the fight between Black Widow and Hawkeye. Like, they know that one of them has to go over the cliff in order to get the Soul Stone, and yeah, they've been through so much over the past bunch of movies, and it is a hell of a scene to watch them beat each other up over who has to give up their life in order to get the Soul Stone. Especially with that ending where both Hawkeye and Black Widow go over the cliff, but Hawkeye shoots an arrow up there and he's dangling and Black Widow has to let go and be the one to die. Otherwise, they both fall over and neither one gets the Soul Stone. Uh... Yeah. So the team gets the gauntlet together. Hulk puts it on. Apparently it emits gamma radiation, so he's the one most likely to be able to survive using it. And uh, he brings everyone back. 
Everyone comes home. And then, while he's been doing that, Nebula uh, brought Thanos from 2014 into the present day in his ship, and he just obliterates the compound. It is gut-wrenching. It is visceral. It is so upsetting. It is a little bonkers that nobody died in the process. I mean, this would have been a shitty way to lose a character, but... Uh, for the amount of damage that's done, it's it's preposterous that nobody died. Um, but it's it's a very intense and well produced scene of just complete and utter destruction. My favorite villain moment is when Thanos just like rains down on the Avengers headquarters because that really caught me off guard. Like I knew something bad was going to happen. But I didn't expect, like, everything to just explode. Uh, I think my other favorite action scene for this movie is basically any scene with Hawkeye, which is amazing. But I really like when everyone gets blown up, right? And somehow Clint survives and he's down sort of in the sewer area and he picks up the the gauntlet and then all of those, like, I'm not really sure what they are, but Thanos like minions start chasing after Hawkeye and he's running through the, what looks like the sewer down below the Avengers base. And he's running and shooting area arrows. And then he's also like stabbing the arrows in the side and blows it up and takes out all the like little monster minion people. And, uh, just it's really awesome to watch like he is an amazing character and it's been a long time since we actually like have seen him in action so it was really great to watch uh hawkeye just sort of like show up and do his you know ninja samurai warrior ninja stuff (laughs) ninja archer stuff Favorite villain moment. It's hard to come up with one just because Thanos has so little screen time, but I guess it would be the scene where Thanos changes his mind and sees that some people, believe it or not, can't let go of losing half of the population of the world they've lived on, and therefore he decides to shred the universe down to a single atom and rebuild it. It's... It just drives home how much more real it is, even compared to Infinity War. The team's kind of still in disarray after the uh, the compound's been broken up, but Cap and Tony and Thor, the, the, the big three, get set to do battle with Thanos. And, uh, when, when Thor was back in time, he had stolen Mjolnir back, and he's got Stormbringer, so he grabs them both together. He brings the thunder, and one of my favorite little moments in the movie happens because Thor's got a big old beard in this movie. Like, okay, they made Thor fat. Ha ha ha. I think that's a little overdone. But they gave him a big bushy beard, and I love my Thor to have a big bushy beard. That's what Thor should have. And when he brings down the lightning, his armor starts appearing all over his body, and also his beard braids itself. He uses the power of Thor to braid his beard, and it's fantastic.
my favorite action scene is uh, the fight between uh, like the three original Avengers. You know, you're just throwing Hulk out. But you got Thor, Iron Man, Captain America taking on Thanos. And that scene's great. Uh, Thanos like destroying Cap's shield, Cap becoming, realizing he's worthy and taking over Mjolnir. All I'm talking about is Cap. But you also see Thor and Iron Man work together where Thor charges Iron Man's suit to like do this like crazy laser thing on Thanos. And yeah, um, my favorite moment out of that is definitely when Cap becomes worthy. How can you not love that? So my favorite hero moment of this movie is kind of hard to pick out because, I mean, obviously it's a very long movie, so there's a lot of stuff that happened. But for me, my favorite hero moment is obviously Captain America. has to do with him. And the moment that just, it was just very heroic as well as heart-wrenching because you have no idea what's going to be going on or what's possibly going to be happening as the scene unfolds. It's right after Thor, Iron Man, and Cap are fighting against Thanos in the big battle scene, right? And all the rest, the other two have gotten knocked away and they're somewhere else. And Cap is just going at Thanos, just going and going and going. And then he's chopping away at the shield, you know, that's the most iconic part of Captain America is his shield. And he, Thanos basically chops it down to being about, it's probably about half the size, maybe less than that, about a quarter of the size of the shield. And Cap is like laying on the ground and Thanos thinks that he's won. And we know I can do this all day kind of thing. But Cap is beaten up, he's bloody, he's hurt, and he struggles to stand up, and he finally does. He gets up, and he looks down at his shield, which is just what's left of it attached to his arm, and for a second I thought he was going to drop it, that maybe, maybe that was it. Like, maybe this is it for, like, my hero, but no, he reaches and grabs the leather strap and cinches it tighter on his arm. And that's that's Cap, you know? He never gives up. He keeps going. For as long as he continues to breathe, he'll never stop fighting. And that zoom in of the camera right on his arm as he cinches the, the shield just that much tighter just shows that Cap... He's going to fight to his very last breath. There's no way he's going to let Thanos win. There's no way that they fought this hard to get to this moment for him to just give up. And I cried, to be honest, because I didn't know if Cap was going to survive or not, because he's somebody who just never gives up, and it could lead to his death and that was the scary part is not knowing whether or not cap was going to die but he's standing on this hill looking out at this army and thanos is ready to annihilate him and annihilate the rest of the earth but the thing that's standing between thanos and everyone else is cap with his half shield cinched tighter on his arm bloody and beaten and yet he's just not going to give up 
that's Captain America. That's the Steve Rogers that we've known to come and love the past 10 years. And that moment was both heartwarming and heartbreaking all at the same time. Thor gets pinned down by Thanos at one point and it looks like he might get done in and the hammer starts to move. I just got chills. Uh, the hammer starts to move and it turns out that it's Steve. Steve is able to call Mjolnir to him. He is worthy. He has the power of Thor. He brings the thunder. Oh my God, it's incredible. The entire theater. I saw this on a Sunday morning early Oh, over a week after the movie came out, and the theater was still almost packed. And when when he picked up the hammer, the whole theater just collectively gasped. It was incredible. I have goosebumps all over my arms right now just talking about it. Holy smokes, it was so good. Yes, I know everybody, everybody and their mother is going to say this. But my favorite hero moment absolutely must be the moment Captain America picks up Thor's hammer and proves to everybody that he is worthy and that Thor, of course, knew all the time that he was ready. That's the best part. I knew it all along. My favorite hero moment, I think, has to be everybody's favorite hero moment, right? The, the big moment from Infinity War was Thor arriving and the music swelled and played the Avengers theme. And he says, bring me Thanos and the lightning and there's a whole big deal and the audience loses their mind. And I love that moment. And that moment in this one is uh, Cap wielding Meow Meow. And the, the score here is nothing short of angelic. That was, I remember, one of the key things I picked up. The other was, boy, this must have been fun to film in front of all those green screens because it's so clearly everything is computer generated so that you could go through and take a screen cap of just about anything and it would make this really striking poster. You know, it felt like the Star Wars movies. Everything is very much shot on green screen. Uh, I don't think it pulled too much from it, but the the music was nothing short of heaven has arrived on Earth and this is its representative is Captain America in the dual wield, you know, or or of holding the shield and Mjolnir at the same time. And then the ability to call down the lightning, to be empowered with somehow the power of Thor. You know, they, it, it goes back to the moment where they were all kind of, um, they were all hanging out drinking and everybody was trying to pick up the hammer and Cap was the only one that, that got, you know, barely moved. Um, but you could see on Thor's face that he was like nervous that, that it was, it was possible that maybe, you know, Cap could actually use Mjolnir. Um, but he's worthy and he did it. Um, but the really cool part, um, in that scene was that in the movie theater that we were in, there was an audible gasp from everyone in the theater when that happened. And it was really cool to experience that because everybody was shocked. Um, so that, that was really cool. 
the only problem with Steve wielding the hammer is um, meta knowledge made me know he's too powerful right now. He can't make it out of this movie. There's, there's just no way. There's just no way. This movie had a lot of roller coaster moments, ups and downs, all over the freaking place. My favorite hero moment, I do have to say, is the very end part where Captain America stands up to Thanos and everybody pops in that's back from the dead. I mean, seriously, that's got to be a huge, holy crap moment, you know, in cinema, you know, for this type of uh, movie where you see all the heroes finally assemble. This is the final moment that they're going to fight. And then. He says, you know, Avengers assemble. Holy, that's awesome. So you got to think, too, he's also grabbing the hammer. What? That's insane. So he gets the hammer. Overall, that huge scene, hero moment of Captain America standing up is the best. Oh, God, he says it. He says he says it. He finally says it. He says, Avengers, assemble. My favorite line of dialogue has to be the moment we've all been waiting for when Captain America himself leading an army of a hundred odd heroes into the jaws of death, just like he did in World War II, says, Avengers, assemble. The most epic moment in the entire MCU, and the perfect use of the much-beloved line. The name of this podcast alone should show how much significance that line has. And then, of course, I love the line, we've all been waiting for it, for all of these movies, and finally, the final one, we get to hear Captain America say, Avengers, assemble, and there's like a f***ing ton of them. There's so many f***ing people. I don't don't know if I've ever seen back-to-back amazing moments like Steve with the hammer. And then, and then on your left, and the portal's opening up, and just everybody showing up to the fight. Everybody. Spider-Man is there, the rest of the Guardians are there, Doctor Strange is there, Black Panther is there, Pepper Potts is there, Valkyrie is there. Captain Marvel's not there yet, so not quite everybody. And, uh, hey, where's, where's Coulson? Where's, where's Coulson? And, like... The rest of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Daredevil and Luke Cage, Jessica Jones and Iron Fist. I choose to believe that that they're there. That there's a, a single frame panning across the battle where you see both the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. team and the Defenders team back-to-back fighting against Thanos' horde. Hopefully someday somebody will prove me right on that. And this is me. If you were going to do the whole army thing, show us the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast, even if I'm not going to recognize them, or the Inhumans, even if I'm not going to recognize them. Show me the Netflix characters. That's one of the things I really wanted. Doctor Strange, if he's going back to New York and he's grabbing everybody, I really wanted just one shot. I mean, I don't know what it would have cost. It's Disney. You have the money. Show me one shot of the Defenders just stepping out. We don't even then CG them for the rest of the thing in the background, and you don't even need to do it well. 
uh, but just the idea of saying, yes, they exist in the same universe. I don't think it would have been appropriate to bring in like the Runaways or Cloak and Dagger because they're kids, but to see the Defenders would have been great. Otherwise, we didn't get the shot that I wanted in that we got all of the armies and everybody there and then the big, you know, Avengers assemble. But in Civil War, we got the heroes lined up on the two different sides. I wanted to see everybody who had previously been an Avenger and then Captain Marvel and the Guardians of the Galaxy all together in one shot. And then he says, Avengers assemble. The addition of all of the extra armies and ships and and tanks and whatever uh, muddled it for me. So I thought that was a little too bad. I really wanted that shot. My favorite hero moment probably is my favorite action scene, which I'll get to in a bit. Although I would like to talk about the final showdown for a little bit. The thing about that whole collection of scenes helps drive home to me why Ready Player One sucked. The last non-Marvel movie scene that I saw in theaters that was anything like that was the big showdown at the end of Ready Player One, and whereas in Ready Player One, you know, it's just you have all of these different pop culture franchises that are almost like thrown in just because they're pop culture icons. When you see the final showdown at Avengers Endgame, if you've watched even half of the movies that come before this, you're all super invested in these characters and you've seen their backstories and the struggles that they've gone through just to get to this. And here they are in their final showdown with the biggest, baddest villain of them all. And in at least one case, it's going to be their last fight ever. And it is one of the most awesome things that you can see on a movie screen. Whereas Ready Player One is just the ultimate showdown of Ultimate Destiny. Yeah, it was a nice cartoon in 2002, but... Yeah, I'm very off topic. Favorite action scene is going to be the overall fight scene of what is happening at the very end of the whole thing. All the Avengers are all assembled. You've got the uh, Wakanda soldiers. You have all of the um, sorcerer soldiers. Just everybody's there to fight. And, of course, you know, Scott Lang, Ant-Man, stepping on a dude as he's big. That was actually pretty funny. My favorite action sequence is that big battle sequence at the end when all the dusted heroes reappear through the sparkly yellow circles. It just sent chills down my spine and you know the audience was cheering everyone was so happy to see everyone again especially spider-man i think he got the biggest applause but that whole moment was amazing and then the battle that ensued it was seriously one of the most magnificent battle scenes i've ever seen in any movie my favorite action scene for this film is definitely the moment it's a couple of things um so one is that the moment when everyone returns is just this like epic moment when they uh, you think that it's just gonna be cap against this entire thanos army and then you start hearing sam like on the radio and the the and he says on your left and then the portal opens and out walks you know T'Challa and the rest of Wakanda is there and then Sam comes flying out 
and you see Bucky and it's everyone we've been waiting for because up until this moment, we're not a hundred percent sure whether or not the unsnapping actually occurred. So we know that Hulk snapped his fingers, Hulk, Professor Hulk snaps his fingers and then we see birds and then Thanos just blows the Avengers base sky high. Um, so we don't actually know whether or not everyone that got snapped comes back, but eventually everybody ends up in the same place. And then this massive epic battle between the entire Avenger army versus Thanos's army. And it is incredible to watch everybody work together and fight, watching all of the, <laughs> the wizards fighting together, watching the... Wakandan army step forward and fight and seeing everybody else fight together to reach a common goal, which is to defeat Thanos and his army. And it was incredible to behold. Which also kind of would have been sort of neat, right? Like, just a shot of John Barenthal and, and Hawkeye killing people together? Come on. How much would it have cost? I just, I really wanted the Netflix universe to tie in. And maybe it still will. And I'm sure part of it is because Netflix owned those characters. But again, Disney has Disney money. And they broke literally all of the records. They grossed a billion dollars in a single weekend. Consider the scope of that. Consider the scope of how many people had to go to a movie in the three days that they count, or four days for the opening weekend, for it to gross, what was it, $1.2 billion worldwide? Opening weekend. Um, so they're fighting um, Thor's ar- or Thanos' army, I keep saying Thor. Um, they're fighting the army, and, um, and then you hear, on your left, and then... Um, Doctor Strange opens up portals and everybody who we thought was gone because they were dusted um, comes back through the portals, including um, Black Panther and the Wakandan army. And there's, I mean, there were so many people that came through and um, it was really cool to see everybody um, get together. And I know a lot of people commented on how um, they wish that the um, Marvel superheroes from the TV shows would have been on there. Um, but, I mean, it would have been cool. But I I liked it the way it was. Um, and then Cap finally, finally says, Avengers, assemble! <laughs> it was really cool <laughs> to finally hear him say it. We get a a nice little sequence here. It's it's interspersed with other stuff of the fighting, but we get we get the 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 run of the Infinity Gauntlet across the battlefield. First, you get you get you get Clint. He's got he's got the Infinity Gauntlet. Run, Clint, run! And then you get T'Challa's got the Infinity Gauntlet. Run, T'Challa, run! And then Spider Man gets the Infinity Gauntlet. Run, Spider Man, run! And then Carol gets the Infinity Gauntlet because Carol Danvers shows up and just 
decimates Thanos's ship. And then she takes the gauntlet. But, oh, man, there's so many people in the way. How is she going to get there? With every female superhero in the Marvel Cinematic Universe united on one hilltop to drive back the forces of Thanos' army? Fuck yeah. It's so good. It's very cheesy. And it's very pandering. But it's cheesy and pandering in the exact same way as that spitting shot of the Avengers in the first movie was. Or the long single take in the fight in the first movie. Like, yeah, it doesn't really make much sense. But you know what? It's freaking awesome. I feel like all all the female characters got that moment where um, they were all lined up. And if for those that listen to my podcast they'll hear that my wife, the wife, had some opinions on that where she thought that actually was too little. She thought that was the the directors or or Marvel Studios being like, okay, yeah, we'll give you your female moment. And then the rest of the film, we're going to focus on all of the male characters. Um, and there's opinions on, on both sides of that, but I get that. But I think it, it made sense to do that so that, again, you have that screenshot because that's really what they want. That's going to become a poster. If it doesn't, it's a crime because that would be hanging in so many dorm rooms of all of these women that are graduating, going off to college because it might be, you know, I mean, you have Wonder Woman, you have the Captain Marvel film, but that growing up, I mean, these these people who have been growing, literally growing up with these films for the last 11 years and and they're female, this that's their representation of this thing they love. That's also saying you can do this too. You're on screen too. Everybody needs to be able to look at the screen and say, I'm up there too. And uh, the next action scene that was pretty epic is, for me, I thought that the female team-up was really great when Captain Marvel shows up and she gets the gauntlet with all the stones in it and... She, <laughs> Peter Parker asks her, how is she going to get through all of that? And then all of the massive female, female characters from all the MCU sort of show up and they all team up together and move forward and battle together, which was pretty epic to watch and just an incredible, incredible moment to watch. And then you see all of the women superheroes like gather up and they all start fighting together and it was really cool totally unnecessary but freaking awesome as a woman to see all of them so um and it it goes back to the whole captain marvel woman power thing so it was really cool thanos i found Interesting. I do like when he shows up and they blow the hell out of the Avengers compound. I thought that was a good general villain moment, but I don't know that it was that strong. And while I really liked the fight scene, I liked also the moment, I'll give it maybe a secondary villain moment, is Captain Marvel squaring off against Thanos. His inability to physically harm her, so he rips the Power Stone out of the gauntlet and holds onto it just long enough to hit her with it and send her flying so we can put it back in the gauntlet before it kills him. I really did appreciate the thought behind that because it countered this idea of him having his spinny helicopter blade 
and he's like fighting them and he's somehow able to spin the helicopter. I I'm sorry. I'm a I'm a comic book guy. I'm a comic book geek. My Thanos can is is Captain Marvel. Everything that Captain Marvel can do, Thanos can do outside of flying except sometimes. You know, he can fire blasts out of his eyes. He can fire blasts out of his hands. He's extremely powerful. He's almost impossible to kill. So it was a little weird for him just to have a spinny helicopter blade thing. It, it was like Dinobot in uh, in Transformers Beast Wars is what it reminded me of when I watched. I was like, that's kind of like I get he needs a t a, a, an accessory for the action figure. That's, that's kind of weird. That's a little odd. We got to see Scarlet Witch take on Thanos again, and Captain Marvel take on Thanos again, and the big three of Iron Man, Cap, and Thor, but Hulk never really got his rematch, and I feel like that would have been a resolution of that whole storyline of why he isn't, you know, the Hulk, or not able to turn into the Hulk. There were a lot of things that happened in this movie, a lot of sad things, a lot of happy things. Um, some things that were funny, but the, obviously the sad things are the ones that stand out the most when I think about this movie, which is unfortunate. Um, I really, really liked the moment that Peter Parker shared with Tony Stark when, when Peter comes back from being snapped and he's talking to Tony and he's like, do you remember that time where like I got all dusty and then I came back and you weren't here and they were, and the, the wizard guy was like, Hey, we got to go. They need us. And they hug and he just keeps hugging him. Tony does. He keeps hugging Peter and Peter says, Oh, Oh, okay. Oh, this is nice. It was very sweet to see them share that really, sweet, sweet moment between the two of them because Tony sort of always saw himself in Peter Parker and it broke his heart when he lost the kid. And that also, that scene at the very beginning when Tony comes back and he looks Cap right in the face and says, I lost the kid. It was like losing Spider-Man all over again like we did in Infinity War. It was so heartbreaking. So it was really wonderful to see them kind of share this sweet moment before the unfortunate death of Tony Stark. My favorite line of dialogue. Oh boy, there were so many good quips in this movie. But I think what really hit home for me was when Thanos thinks he won again and he's about to snap and he says, I am inevitable. And he doesn't realize he doesn't have the stones. So then Iron Man is like, and I am Iron Man. So I thought that was an incredible full circle moment, not only for this movie, but the entire franchise or the entire MCU since that's how Iron Man, the original movie in this line of movies, ended with that iconic phrase. Um, and, um, so Thanos 
um, Thanos and a bunch of other people are fighting to try to get the, um, the Infinity Gauntlet and all of the stones. And Thanos gets it and he goes, I am inevitable. And he said that a couple times through the movie that he, he doesn't, he doesn't believe that his story can be changed and that he will always destroy half the world universe. And, uh, um, somehow Iron Man had gotten the stones from him and swapped them, taken them out of the infinity gauntlet and put them into his, um, Iron Man suit hand. And, um, he lifts up his hand and turns it around and you see the stones and he goes, and I am Iron Man. And then he snaps his fingers and Thanos and all of his men go, um, dust. Um, the other contender, of course, for favorite line of dialogue is at the climax of the big showdown where Thanos says, I am inevitable. And Iron Man says, and I am Iron Man. And yeah, for those of us who saw the first Iron Man movie, that is exactly the right thing to say. And it is exactly the way to draw the action of this series to a close. The fight ends up with Tony Stark versus Thanos, and he manages using some Iron Man conniving to swipe away all the Infinity Stones. And now Tony has them. And Doctor Strange gives him the look and holds up a one. There's one one scenario which we win. And Tony... Tony snaps. And uh, eliminates Thanos' army. Um, I choose because it needs to happen for my mind for the time travel stuff. That he didn't dust them. He sent them back in time, and the, the dusting was just their current physical forms, and then they reappeared in 2014 with no memory of this, because time travel. Um, but yeah, the heroes win, but at a cost, because a human man wasn't meant to wield the Infinity Stones. And we sit in it for a long time. We get a long scene of him dying uh, where pepper Potts has her hand on his chest this is another shot that is mirrored i'm pretty sure from the first iron man where he was lying there <clears throat> holding uh her hand her bare hand with his gauntleted hand and now she's in the armor holding his hand and telling him it's okay we're gonna be okay you can rest and we have to say goodbye to tony which hurt a lot more than I thought it was going to hurt. Like, I knew it was going to be sad because at that point we didn't really know whether, like, who was the person that was going to die. Was it going to be Captain America? Was it going to be Iron Man? But that was the thing, right, is that there was only one chance to kind of save everybody, and Tony is that one chance, which hurt a lot because he was the one person who probably had the most to lose, and he ended up sacrificing his life to save everyone, to sacrifice his life for the greater good because he knew that was the right thing to do. And 
it was painful to watch. It was very, very upsetting to watch Peter Parker cry over Tony and say goodbye. And what broke my heart the most in saying goodbye to Tony was when Pepper starts talking to him and she tells him that it's okay that he can rest now and that he, and then he dies. That was very sad to watch because that was the thing with between the two of them when they talked before when Tony said that he figured out how to do the time travel thing he he said he goes I could take this and throw it in the bottom of the lake and then just go to bed and Pepper says but would you be able to rest and that's the thing about like Tony Stark is that he's grown a lot over the past decade worth of movies is he has gone from this sort of selfish, rich playboy to being a person who cares more about all of the people around him than he does about himself. And he has a lot of character development over that time. And we really see that kind of come together when he decides to be the person to snap his fingers and destroy all of Thanos and Thanos's army at great cost to himself. Like he'll never get to watch his daughter grow up. He'll never get to live in a world where the Avengers are the ultimate heroes, where he, he is the ultimate hero, but he'll never get to watch his daughter grow up, which is very sad because that was the one, his one stipulation, right? Was not to change the past, but to bring the people who went, who got snapped five years prior, but bring them into the present rather than, undoing what happened over that five years because he didn't want to give up his daughter because his daughter is the one thing that meant the most to him in this world. And yet, sadly, he made the ultimate sacrifice just like Cap does all the time and sacrificed himself to save her and everyone else. But Iron Man gets hurt, and then he dies. It was really sad. <laughs> um, I I get I get that people have to die in these movies, but Iron Man was one of my favorite characters, so it sucks. And to see Spider Man lose him right after Spider Man just came back. It was really sad. My favorite villain moment comes at the very end of the movie, after Tony snaps his fingers. Thanos sees his armies crumbling into dust. He realizes that it's over, and he just simply sits down and takes it in. Similar to how he ended Infinity Wars. Just sits down and says, you won, and slowly fades into dust. My favorite villain moment is when Thanos sees his troops turn to dust. And, you know, it's just those couple of seconds after Iron Man snaps, and he's one of the last ones to go, so he gets to see his troops and everything disappear before his eyes, and I just thought the look on his face was priceless. And I was glad that Thanos 
got to witness that for himself. My favorite tangling threads. I dig the setup for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I, I very much like the idea of Thor going off into space with the other Guardians of the Galaxy to have adventures with them. Now, as I remember, Gamora wasn't killed in the final battle, so what exactly happens to her? I mean, you know, we saw her kick Star-Lord in the Celestials, but I, I assume she's going to be in the next movie. Uh, Thor... Is he going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy 3? It sure looks that way, and I hope so. I would love that. My favorite dangling thread is the introduction of the Asgardians of the Galaxy. So with Thor going off with the Guardians of the Galaxy, where's that going to go? Is that going to be Thor 3? Is that where Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is going to be? Because if so, that sounds really awesome. I'm also just curious to see where all of that goes, because... Nebula's with them. Nebula just killed her past self. What does that mean, if anything? And then also, what's happening with Gamora? Like, you is past alternate timeline Gamora still running around in, like, the main timeline? Or what's 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 going on there? Like, is, what, is this timeline Gamora still alive? I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. I'm curious to see where that goes. Finally, again, because this is a Marvel movie and nobody ever really dies, even if there is a body, I I'll admit, yes, we probably did lose Tony Stark, but did we really lose Vision and Black Widow? I didn't really expect... Iron Man or Captain America to make it through this movie. Um, which distracted me a little bit from Tony's scene because we had won. I mean, it, it was tragic what was happening on screen, but we had won. And my, my, I literally have written down in my notes, I, my notes say, Cap's alive, dot, dot, dot. I hate to say it, but that can't be right unless someone has to take them back. And that's what Cap does. He volunteers to take the stones back. He takes Mjolnir back to put it back where it goes in time. Um, and uh, it's just going to take five seconds. Just five seconds. You stand on this platform. We zap you back. It'll be however long you need on your side. But on our side, it'll be five seconds. And uh, so they zap him back. And they count down. And he doesn't, he doesn't come back. Because Steve Rogers... <laughs> got to go back in time and he got to meet up with Peggy for that dance I wasn't surprised when he volunteered to return the stones to their proper timeline and I think that Bucky knew the whole time I'm sure that there was like a time time in between when the end of the battle came and then the funeral and then they decided to return the stones to their time is that Steve probably told Becky that he saw her like that he saw Peggy again and Buck knew the whole time that there's no way that Cap was going to come back and give up that third opportunity to be with the love of his life 
And he did. He got himself a little bit of that life that Tony was talking about. And he comes back as an old man rather than as the age when he left, like in looks at least. And when he says, when Sam notices the ring on his hand and he goes, are you going to tell me about her? And he goes, nope, I don't think I will. And then you hear the music and the camera does that slow pan towards the house in through the window and they're slow dancing. I cried because it was literally everything that I have personally been wanting for Steve since the beginning because Steve has worked so hard and sacrificed so much his life, his happiness for all the greater good. And he never really got the opportunity to be happy with the woman that he considers to be the love of his life. And he finally got this opportunity to be able to live the life that he had always wanted with the woman that he loved. And I don't know what kind of repercussions that's going to have for the future as the MCU progresses into this new phase. Um, But I am so, so happy that Peggy and Steve got to live out the life that they always dreamed of having together, even though we didn't get to see it. I wish we could have seen it. But knowing that he got his best girl and they finally had their dance is beyond heartwarming and beautiful and I cried so much for my favorite hero moment I'm gonna skip right to the end and go with Captain America's happy ending uh that was so sweet and Captain America definitely deserved a happy ending like that he got to go back and spend a lifetime with the love of his life Peggy and I am so here for that There were a lot of awesome hero moments in Endgame, but that one was just especially sweet and a wonderful way to end the movie, I thought. But the end of the movie, (laughs) Cap gets sent back to go put the stones back, um, back in place and... He, I mean, he's gone for a matter of, like, a minute, maybe. And he comes back, but he doesn't come back in the spot that he left. And the guys look over, and he's sitting on a park bench. And they walk over to him, and um, he, uh, he's, he's old. And, I mean, older. <laughs> he's aged. And he got married and then it goes to um goes flashes back to his life he said he got to you know live his life he decided he wanted to stay and and live out his life and be happy and and you see him and Peggy dancing in the living room back in I'm guessing the 70s or, you know, obviously later, but he went and found her and then they got to live together. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs>
I'm trying not to cry. <laughs> um, yeah, so he got to live with Peggy, which... was something I was really sad about in the other movies because it wasn't fair. <laughs> Life's not fair, but he got to do it. And that's the end. So, <sighs> God, what a sad movie. Um, my favorite dangling thread for this film is, I'm not really sure that I have one because I feel like they kind of wrapped everything up fairly well. I am excited to see how Sam Wilson takes up the Captain America mantle as Falcon and pushes forward with that. So it'll be really exciting to see how that will play out because I mean, it was obviously a choice between Bucky and Sam. And I'm really glad that they decided to go the direction with passing on the shield and the captain America name to Sam Wilson, because I feel like he's probably the best person to take up that because he is everything that captain America embodies. He's not just, you know, a soldier and he knows to never back down, never stop fighting, but he's also a good man with a good heart and he embodies everything that Steve Rogers also did for the name of Captain America. So it'll be incredible to see what happens in the future with Sam. So I can't wait to see what they do with his character. Uh, I hope it's really great because I feel like Sam is going to be incredible as Captain America, and I don't think I could have picked another person that would have been better for him to take up that role. My favorite dangling thread in Avengers Endgame is the potential for a movie about Captain America going back in time to return all the Infinity Stones. That would be incredible. You'd have to reunite with the Red Skull. And how would you go about bringing back the Soul Stone? Would you have to resurrect someone? There's so much potential there. Dangling threads. I think Iron Man's daughter, Morgan, is going to be a freaking genius. Look at her parents. I'm excited. She's got to end up being a superhero, right? I think so. This movie actually tied up all the loose ends. Well, the best they could. Um, in my mind, it was a great send-off. If this whole series would end, I'd be done. I'd be okay with it. I would go home happy. And no more Marvel movies for a long time, I'd be okay. I am one of the people that will say that I think this film was too long. I, I think you could have cut out some of it, but I'm okay that they didn't. It felt like this was the extended cut of what should have been the theatrical version of Avengers Endgame. And I hope that makes sense. The idea that there felt like there were all these extra scenes that weren't critical, but the Russo brothers are like, no, nah, man, we're, 
we're putting everything out there. We're not going to make you wait for the extra special five years down the road director's cut Blu-ray release in order for you to see some of the deleted scenes. We're not cutting out anything. It's all on the table. And I can appreciate that because so much of this down to Peter Parker activating instant kill. Um, I don't, I, I'm just, I'm literally sitting here racking my brain and I keep drawing blanks because I remember watching the movie and being like, everything in this is a callback to something and feels earned. And that's what made the film so great. My favorite line of dialogue comes from little Morgan Stark asking for a cheeseburger. God, hashtag Russo gut punch. From now on, when I hear anybody ever say they want a cheeseburger, I'm going to collapse into a crying sad pile of tears. So not fair. So not fair. There was a lot of crying involved. There were a lot of those really big moments, and they knew it, and they took the time to do that thing. And I was in an afternoon screening and there were still people clapping. It wasn't quite what I know the evening screenings have, but it was really still, it was something to see. It was a Marvel event comic, which often suffers from bloat and too many, you know, spin-off titles and tie-in comics and stuff. It was one of those writ large on the big screen and it was something we never thought we would see. And we got it. And we got it in our lifetimes. And as a geek, that is something really really special as for anything else yeah uh if you've been able to hear it in my voice oh my god the feels like yeah i've seen almost every movie that builds up to this one over the past month and so yeah you guys have all of the space of having seen these movies years and years ago when they first came out and i don't some of you rewatched them probably. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. But damn, guys. Like, there were so many scenes that were just an absolute infinity gauntlet punch to the feels. I'm, I'm still reeling from it. Uh. Yeah. I was the only person in my high school of however many, like, my graduating class was hundreds of people. Right, it was a big school. I was the only person in my school that wore a Spider-Man t-shirt. You know, was openly a comic book geek throughout my entire high school career. And now the movie makes over a billion dollars opening weekend with these geeky with Iron Man. You guys still have to understand Iron Man is a C-list Marvel character, not anymore. But he was Nobody cared about Iron Man, and Captain America was boring. The only thing people cared about, Spider-Man and Wolverine, right? They owned Marvel, and then you had Deadpool for a while as well. That was kind of it. Like, there were other Marvel books that were getting attention, but none of them had that kind of attention. And then they decided to kick off a universe with Iron Man. Iron Man! I'm sorry, you guys! Iron Man! There's a cartoon in the 90s and he had a mullet and it was dope and I have the action figures on my toy shelf because they're incredible. But that was it. That was the reason we thought Iron Man was cool is because there was a cartoon on UPN or whatever it was. And look what they did. Look what they did. Well f***ing 
done. Well done, everybody. And I tried to leave a lot of the spoilers out of this uh, deal, but come on. If you haven't seen it by now, that's kind of your fault. But it's going to be probably the best movie of all time. Um, nothing's going to top it in my mind. Just a great way to send it off. I really loved Endgame. I thought this movie was fantastic. I thought it was fun. It was funny. It had great action. It had an hour and a half long battle scene that was really good and had stakes that I was interested in. And I'm just really, really excited to see where the Marvel Cinematic Universe goes from here. What the heck is going on with like the new Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man Far From Home? When does that take place? Like, are half the students just, like, five years older? Because that's real weird. But, yeah, I, I'm i just really just curious to see where these movies go from here out. Because the timeline seems so weird with just half of the world's population being five years older than people that they were born and grew up with. And, yeah, it's going to be weird. Overall, the MCU has been an incredible ride, and I'm so happy that I've had a part in it. Endgame was just spectacular in the way that it tied everything together, um, left you with a few questions still, but ultimately just gave you that immense payoff that you were hoping for. And it was kind of sad to see the end of this chapter in the MCU, but Obviously, there's plenty ahead, so no need to be too sad. So many good good thoughts with this movie. It's just perfect ending to this phase. And the best part is you're left wanting more. I, I'm ready for I'm ready for the next wave of uh, MCU movies. Bring it. I'm ready. I can't wait to see what comes next. I'm excited, but I think we all deserve a little break. We'll get Spider-Man. Hopefully that'll be a nice palate cleanser. And then I hope they go cosmic. I hope they step away from the Earth. We've told the biggest story we really can there since they sort of decided not to go with the secret invasion storyline with the Skrulls, as far as we know. Go cosmic. You've shown us what you can do. You've shown us how great and colorful those special effects can be now. I am, I'm super pumped for what comes next. I look forward to it all. Well done, Marvel. I don't know, what else is there to say? Avengers assembled. And it was glorious. That's it, folks. That is Avengers Endgame, and that is Podcasters Assembled Probably. We have covered every single movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe 
Thanks to all the people who contributed to the show and to you for listening. Um, this has been uh, just an incredible process. I'm really pleased to have been able to be a part of bringing all these thoughts together. Um, so thank you. Uh, as always, Podcasters Assemble Probably has been a production of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. You can find more of our content by heading to probablywork.com. I want to say a special thank you to Tyler Thornton because he was kind of my uh, my rock through this. And, and more than that, I want to say a special thank you to my wife for being supportive of me embarking on this frankly insane project, um, especially considering we found out, as she mentioned in this recording, we're pregnant. We found that out during the course of making this show. Um, so yeah, thank you to to her for, for being patient with me, for um, being understanding with me working crazy hours on this. I've, I've been getting up insanely early to edit podcasts. So thank you to her. Um, and then, like I said, thank you so much to just everybody who has been able to contribute to the show. Um, <clears throat> I think I've got a complete list here. Um, if there's anybody that I have forgotten, I feel horrible about it. Um, but uh, here we go with with the list. As far as I've been able to gather, and gosh, I'm going to feel so bad if I forgot anybody. Um, I want to thank everybody who contributed. So... Thank you to Arjuna, and to Jason, and to Rob, and also to the other Rob. And thank you to Taylor, and Brian, and Jorge, and thank you to Ben, and Sparks, and to Ryan. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, M. Thank you, Matt. Thank you to Steve, and to Katie, and to MC. Thank you, Joe and Ashley. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Travis. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Tyler, again. Thank you... Uh, Swift Superfly. I don't have your actual name written down, but thank you. Thank you, Paul and Paul. Thank you, Gabe. And thank you, Rich. And thank you to you who's listening to this for helping to make this crazy podcast be the awesome thing that it is. I'm really proud of it. And I hope that you've had fun listening. And uh, do remember that submissions are always open because podcasters assemble probably will return. <laughs>